God. Somebody got the answer right. God's the main character of this book, but who's the main human character of this book? Ezekiel, right? It's the book's named after him. Well, who is Ezekiel? What was his responsibility? He's a prophet. And as a prophet, his mission was to share God's message. But do you happen to know that Ezekiel had another religious occupation? What else was Ezekiel other than a prophet? He was also a priest, descendant of the line of Zadok. Zadok was a priest during the time of David and and, and Solomon. And so he is not just a prophet, he's a priest as well, fulfilling a variety of roles for God. Ezekiel prophesied somewhere between 593 and 571 B.C. That's the rough dates that are given, because unlike some of the other prophetic books, Ezekiel has a lot of dates. Ezekiel tells us, in the 30th year of such and such I did this, or in the 15th month of the 7th, right? And so he gives a lot of time clues, letting us know when these things take place. And most people believe that based on Ezekiel 1.1, Ezekiel was about 30 years old when he started his ministry, meaning that he was born roughly 622. This is a very important time period in the history of Israel. If you had to kind of break it down, what period of time in Israel's history is Ezekiel living in? Captivity or exile. The the Babylonians have come into Judah. Now, the Babylonians actually do three deportations of people in Judah. The first one, around 606-607, takes Daniel from Judah, along with, well, we know them by their their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So that group is taken around 606. Then another group is taken about 10 years or so later, which is the group that Ezekiel is part of. And then there will be another deportation later on. And so Ezekiel comes during that second deportation. Babylon has been uh, taking over Judah. Now, historically, we can say, okay, this is what's going on. They're deporting people, and and the the Babylonians are the great power. But from a biblical standpoint, why is this happening? They were not faithful, and so God is punishing them. And so this period of captivity or or exile is understood as God has finally gotten to the point where he is fed up with the sins of Israel. And as a consequence of that, things that had been prophesied for generations take place. God is going to kick the people out of the land. 
What is one of the most important historical events at the beginning of this captivity? The destruction of Jerusalem, specifically the destruction of the temple. What was the temple? Right? It's, it's God, it's, it was considered to be the place where God dwelt. Built by Solomon several hundred years before. Very ornate building, right? filled with precious stones. Precious metals, exquisite craftsmanship. And so there's that kind of physical presence that makes this a very important place. But the other thing, of course, is this is the the physical manifestation of God dwelling among his people. And now it's destroyed. Now, it happens because Judah had been unfaithful to God. But what do you think that would have done to the people? What kind of impact would that have on them? Okay, remove the only acceptable place of of corporate worship. Because what what kind of things were done at the temple? Sacrifices. So the temple's gone, that means no more sacrifices. What kind of impact do you think it would have had psychologically on the people? Yeah, I mean, there's this kind of, this hope connected to the temple. A lot of things tied up with the temple. And this is a lot of Jeremiah, the early parts of Jeremiah. We know we're God's people because we have the temple. Jeremiah says, you can't just go around saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. You've got to act like God's people too. And now it's gone. Psychologically, this would have been a great devastation to them. Because not only do they you know, hear the words of the prophets saying, you've, you've failed to live up to what God wants you to do, now the temple is gone. And with the temple, the sacrifices. Why were the sacrifices important? Forgiveness. That was the means God had given to Israel for their sins to be forgiven. Now that's gone too. And so we have the temple gone, the sacrifice is gone, and there's, there's now this question of how do you apply a lot of the law? Because a lot of the law that God had given was wrapped up in sacrifices, was wrapped up with a context of living in an agrarian society, and now you're being deported into cities. An example of this would be the law that if you had a field, you were to harvest that field essentially in a circle. 
Now, if you harvest a field, a rectangular field in a circle, what does that do? Leaves the corners. What was the purpose of leaving the corners? Right? The whole purpose of leaving the corners was the poor could come in and get the food that they needed. So it was a means of helping the poor. Yet now here you are in a city where you don't have a field. How do you help the poor? How how do you fulfill a lot of those commands that were agrarian in nature and you're in an urban setting? And so a lot of the Jews started developing these oral traditions which eventually become the system known as the Pharisees. A lot of the Pharisees' oral traditions started as how do we make sense of the law and apply the law when we don't have the same kind of conditions? So they are physically devastated as a nation. Taken away into captivity, a lot of destruction. They are spiritually devastated. They are psychologically devastated. This is the context in which God takes Ezekiel by the Spirit to this valley. Now, is Ezekiel literally taken to a literal valley? I don't know. There are some things to suggest that this is a vision, meaning that it might not have literal things going on in it. But he is taken by the Spirit to this valley. And this valley is filled with what? Dry bones. Now, by calling them dry bones, what is meant, what's, what's meant to be conveyed? They've been there a while, right? There's no flesh, there are no organs, there's no muscles. It is bones. They are dry bones, exposed to the elements. Ezekiel will later, later say, and, and God will, will say some things as well, you know, about this multitude. Right? There, there's this multitude, this... It's just the valley is filled with bones. It's almost like a, like a horror movie. Right? You come into this, and here's all these bones. It actually kind of, if you've seen any of the footage from the Holocaust, when the Allies have come into Auschwitz, Dachau, Buna, right? It's almost like that. Now, those weren't dry bones because people had flesh on them. But this idea of just these mass pits of dead. And this is what Ezekiel sees. This is what God wants him to see. And so God sets him down and asks him to look at these dry bones, takes him around the valley. God has a question for Ezekiel. What's the question that God asks Ezekiel after showing him this multitude of dry bones? Can these bones live? 
Now, later in the chapter, of course, we're, we're, we're told these bones have a, a spiritual meaning, right? This is the children of Israel, right? These are the people in captivity, the, the tribe of Judah. And so there's a spiritual nature about these dry bones. Can these bones live? You know, and sometimes I, I have to say probably most of us in our lives have been in that position where we felt like dry bones, spiritually. Anybody with me on this? If you felt like dry bones, raise your hand at any point, whether now or... Spiritually, we sometimes go into these valleys and we can feel like dry bones. We're, as individuals, spiritually dry. There's no vitality. There's no life to me spiritually. I may be going to worship, but I'm going through the motions. My heart's not in it because there's something going on. Now, I'm feeling distant from God, but it may or may not be sin in my life. Now, certainly if there's sin in in your life, yeah, you're going to feel that distance from God. But sometimes you could be going through all sorts of trials, physical trials. It could be some sort of illness. It could be the loss of a loved one. And you just feel distant from God and you don't feel God's presence. You feel like dry bones. That's what the people of Israel are feeling like. But we can sometimes feel like dry bones as a community. And we wonder, why are, why are our attendance numbers going down? Why, why is nobody joining us? Why don't people respond to our message of hope, the message of the gospel. We can feel like dry bones as a church. We can feel like dry bones as a community. We can feel like exiles in our culture. Feeling pressure from our culture, from our our friends, our co-workers, maybe even our family. Now, in one sense, we should expect that. 1 Peter 1 talks about the need to live as exiles. We are to be different, but sometimes that psychological pressure on us from our friends, our co-workers, the media, can feel like dry bones. And we, too, ask this question. Whether as individuals, whether as a community, whether as a church, can these bones live again? So when God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live again, what's Ezekiel's response? Lord, you know. Now, some people, well, in the Old Testament, there's not too much discussion of resurrection. There's there's some hints and, and glimpses that at some point in the future, All of humanity is going to be bodily resurrected. But there's not much about that. And so some people have pointed to this chapter and said that there are hints here of the resurrection, the bodily resurrection at the end of time. Maybe, but I don't think that's ultimately his point. It's more of a spiritual resurrection. Can these bones live again? Remember, it's spiritually about the children of Israel in exile. And so Ezekiel says, Lord God, you know. 
Now, when he says this, you know, is there some disbelief here on Ezekiel's case? We don't know, but these are dry bones. We're not talking about somebody that's just kind of passed out, right? And, and recently dead, and we can revive them. These, these are dry bones. There's no organs. There's no flesh. There is nothing here that makes up a person. And so Ezekiel says, Lord God, you know. God says, Ezekiel, I have a message for these dry bones. I want you to give these dry bones a message. Prophesy to them. And this is what I want you to prophesy. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath. The word breath can also be translated spirit. To enter you and you shall live. Now remember, horror movie, holocaust, pit of dead bodies, multitude, right? It's not one or two people. It's, it's an army that's been slaughtered in this valley and left to decay to the elements. And Ezekiel pr- prophesies as he's told, and all of a sudden, the bones start rattling. If I'm Ezekiel, I'm getting out of there. It starts shaking, and all of those bones start matching up. And the skeletons begin to form. Muscles, sinews, ligaments start forming on these skeletons, and then they're covered with skin. But they're still dead. bunch of standing dead bodies. God says, I have another message for you, Ezekiel. Prophesy to the winds. Prophesy to the winds so that breath may enter them. And this multitude comes to life. Now, I believe this is a vision, so it's not literal. Like, suddenly, there was an extra 50,000 people in the world. I think this is a vision, right? So it's not literal. But suddenly these dead people that Ezekiel has been watching come back to life. God says, here's the message, Ezekiel. The people are saying, we are dry bones. We have no hope. We are cut off. Here's my message to them. I'm going to bring you out of your graves. They're cut off. The temple's destroyed. The sacrifices are gone. They're having to make sense of an urban situation. They have nothing to hold on to. They feel like dry bones. And God says, bring you back to life. I'm going to bring you home. Kind of a strange, almost freakish way to get this message across to Ezekiel. Wouldn't it have been easier to just tell him instead of making him watch these bones suddenly come back to life? But the message Ezekiel here has is one of hope. God can revive 
the dry bones. I will open your graves, bring you up, and bring you back. In fact, at the end, he emphasizes, God emphasizes to Ezekiel that he is to make sure that they understand that God's message is certain. Verse 14, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. God is testifying by himself on the basis of who he is. I am going to do it. Exile will end. You will come back to your land. So can God revive our dry bones today? Well, the obvious answer, of course, is yes. Because if there is one thing that is a constant throughout Scripture, it is that God loves to renew. God loves to make things new again. So when we feel like old, dry bones, spiritually lost, God can bring us back to life again. Now, obviously, we can kind of see overtones here to our individual salvation. And Paul talks about this in Romans 6, right? You died to sin. We're buried in baptism. And you rise to walk a new life. So the very act of how we become part of God's family testifies to God bringing to life what has been dead. And all of that, of course, is based on Jesus' resurrection. Crucified, laid in the tomb, comes back to life on the third day. So we shouldn't be surprised if in those moments of spiritual dryness, there is the promise that God can take our dry bones and give them life again. How does he do that? The same way that he does it here in Ezekiel chapter 37. By reviving that breath or spirit within us. Now a lot of people have a variety of different views on how the Holy Spirit dwells in the Christian. And I'm not going to go into all that tonight. Except to stay where Scripture says that the Spirit dwells within us as individuals, Romans chapter 8, and dwells in the church. He puts His Spirit in us as individuals and as us as communities, not for us to die, but for us to live. He gives us the word for that spirit to use to convict us when our dryness is because of our sins. To comfort us 
When our dryness is because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. And so God has provided us the means to come back to life. And he's put us in a community of people that we can lean on during those spiritually dry times. We're in a family for a reason. We're not out there by ourselves. So can our bones live again? Absolutely. So especially if you're feeling that spiritual dryness tonight. If you're feeling like dry bones tonight, the message of Ezekiel 37 is receive God's life. Let Him bring you Back to life, to spiritual life. But if you're not feeling that dryness, maybe your relationship right now with God is fantastic. There are people around you who aren't in that same place. And they feel like dry bones. They feel cut off. They feel separate. They feel spiritually disconnected. Find them. Share with them the message of Ezekiel and the dry bones. Find those people that need to hear God is not going to leave you in this spiritual grave, but He is going to bring you up out of it. If as a community we feel this, we need to remind each other that God loves to renew. That our promise is sure. There's something new coming. There's a new life that, that is promised to us. And so yes... We want to engage our culture, engage our friends, engage our families, and tell them about this new life and point to them when the things that are in our culture, in our families, when they're not leading us to that life, we need to promise there's a new life ahead. Paul kind of gives some hints about this in 2 Corinthians when he says, right now... We have momentary affliction. But there is a glory awaiting us. Can these bones live again? Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will call you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you. And you will live. Let's pray. Father, tonight we're all in a variety of different positions in our relationship with you. 
We may be close and feel comforted in your word, in your present. We may feel that you are with us, comforting us, providing for us, blessing us. Father, there may be some here tonight that are distant from you from a variety of reasons. We pray, Father, that you would draw them close, that you would use us to help them see the life that you promised to us. Father, we pray that we would always trust in the promises of renewal in our individual lives, that when we turn from you, we can repent and come back. In our churches, that we can return to your word as we do what you expect us to do and ask us to do, to command us to do, that we will see that renewal, that restoration. But also, Father, that there's coming a time when all that are in the graves, physical and spiritual, will be called forth. Those that have trusted in your Son will go to a resurrection of life. So thankful for him and what he's done for us and the life he promises to us from you, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen.